Hello and welcome to Hong Kong Heritage. Stuart Lockhart was a civil servant in Hong Kong, starting his career here in the 1880s. He was colonial secretary and a sinophile. At the end of the 19th century, China was ruled by a weak Qing government. Sun Yat-sen and other revolutionaries were plotting, but the more immediate problem were the foreign powers demanding concessions. In an exhibition marking the 120th anniversary of the First Sino-Japanese War, the Hong Kong Museum of History displays photographs, maps, and treaty documents, mostly from Lockhart's collection, that tell how the new territories and Wei Highway in Shandong Province were leased by China to the British. Assistant curator Osman Chan told me about the man most people associate with the street in Wan Chai. We are introducing Stuart Lockhart at this exhibition. Stuart Lockhart, as we all know, well, the Lockhart Road in Wan Chai was Wan Chai was named after him. Stuart Lockhart was a very prominent civil servant in Hong Kong. He started、um, his career in Hong Kong from the 1880s, and he left Hong Kong in 1902. At that time, he was the Colonial Secretary. Um, Stuart Lockhart,、um, because he was a Scottish, so after he left Hong Kong, he was seconded to White Highway in Shandong Province as the commissioner, the top civil servant at this enclave in Shandong. And so he finished his career、uh, at the colonial office in 1921. And after that, he got back to England. So all the artifacts that he collected during his stay in Hong Kong and White Highway were all. Brought back to England and, in particular, Scotland. So after his death, his daughter has donated all these items to the、um, George Watson's College in Edinburgh, which was the alma mater of Stuart Lockhart. And, so all of these items have been in Edinburgh yes, of Stuart、yes. Lockhart. Now many、yes. people will know Lockhart Road. In、yes. Wan Chai, a drinking area yes, yes. <laughs> in the evenings. A lot of bars. Yes, a lot of bars. But、yes. uh, I don't know. As a as a as a Scotsman、uh, in the 1880s, I'm not sure that Stuart Lockhart would have been a drinker. But、um, in terms of, I mean, he he made quite a big contribution, not only in Hong Kong but also as Wei Highway, as you say, as pr- pretty much a civil servant. Yes,、um, we got below that. Well,、uh, Lockhart in Hong during his term in Hong Kong,、uh, he has not he had not only be the uh, um, the colonial secretary. He was also the Vice-Chancellor、uh, General. The Vice-Chancellor General is actually at that time was in charge of all affairs connected with the Chinese population. Because you know,、uh, we know the Chinese population formed the bulk of the population in Hong Kong. And starting from 1880s, Stuart Lockhart has worked very closely with the Chinese leaders. So that's why, from this exhibition, we will see a lot of photographs and a lot of documents、uh, exchanging between Stuart Lockhart and the Chinese leaders. And of course, after the British took the lease of the White Highway from the Chinese government in the end of the 19th century, he was seconded from Hong Kong to White Highway to be the commissioner. And during his term of office in White Highway from 1902 to 1921, he made a lot of changes in White Highway and brought about the development of White Highway under the British administration. So explain to me. I mean, Stuart Lockhart was quite a scholar. I mean, he,、uh, unlike other British colonials who came and went, he actually was、uh, a sinophile. He, he、uh, understood the language. He read, and、uh, obviously was deeply interested in Chinese culture as well. But、um, explain to me. You know, Hong Kong had been ceded. To the British、uh, in the 1840s,、um, then obviously the new territories would follow 
in 1898. Um, but uh, in terms of, and Kowloon obviously in the, in the 1860s, why did the British have an interest in Wei Hai Wei right up in Shandong province? I don't understand the connection. Well, let, let us look back at the background of the scramble for concessions. Uh, we know that in 1894 and 1995, we have the first Sino-Japanese war. And after the war, um, the foreign powers began to scramble for territories in China. At that time, the most aggressive countries were Russia and France and Germany. So what was the state of China at this time? So you say the Sino-Japanese yes. war. So Japan had, had quite a chunk of, of China yes. at that point um, as well. At, at that point, Japan has defeated uh, China at this war. So after the war, the uh, peace treaty was signed. Of course, it was an unequal treaty. So China had to pay a huge indemnity uh, to cede territories, including Taiwan, to um, Japan. Which was so, then Formosa. Yes, yes, Formosa. And so that's why um, China was very weak at that time, and it was almost, um, well, it was on the um, brink of collapse at that time. So that's why we know that in the late 19th century, um, Dr. Sun Yat-sen and the others put up their revolutionary banner and start their revolutionary campaign. So at that time, uh, because all the foreign powers began to scramble to to scramble uh, for this territories in China, uh, Britain did not want to lag behind. So first of all, the British government uh, made use of the um, Russian concession, Western. Um, a request for um, the Liudong Peninsula. Um, which is where? Uh, well, which was um, well on the north. I mean, Lishung and Dalian. Uh, the, the, these two places, these two naval ports. Right, so northern yeah, China. Yeah, northern China. Uh, because the, um, the Russian at that time had asked from China, successfully asked from China for the lease of Lushun and Dalian in the northern China, and Britain did not want to lag behind. So Britain, first of all, asked for another naval port which was nearby in the Shandong province, and that was White Highway. So um, British um, request for White Highway was actually a counterbalance to the Russian lease of Lushun and Dalian. And in the same time, because France has asked for a naval port in southern China at that time in the, in the port called uh, Guangzhou one, so um, China, Britain again don't want to lag behind. So that's why Britain asked for the extension of Hong Kong territory, which, is, which was the new territories um, in, in southern China. So that means um, the British lease of White Highway and the British list of the new territories of Hong Kong were actually counterbalanced to the concession made by the other foreign powers at the end of the 19th century. It's extraordinary, actually. I mean, I always, you know, when I'm looking back at history, wherever it is, I think you have to be careful to limit your modern sensibilities on what occurred at that time. But it is extraordinary, isn't it? It's, it's like a, a load of vultures coming in. This is a very interesting map, this one. Um, this, is, this was a map which was made in Hong, which was actually um, made by our Hong Kong revolutionary in, 19, in 1899. This map showed the foreign concession in each country was represented by an animal. Yes. Just like this one, well, from the north, it showed a bear to represent Russia. And there's a bulldog here to represent Britain. And in the south, you see another animal, which was a frog, representing France. So, and then um, here we, we see a red sun, and this sun represents Japan. In Shandong province, there was a sausage, and this sausage <laughs> represents Germany. Right. 
and far apart from Hong Kong, from, from, from China, and we also see an eagle. This eagle represents the United States because yes, the United States was a latecomer. So um, it won't choose. So that's why when the United States began to exert its influence in China, it won't to have, uh, um, I mean, the uh, open door, it allocated the open door policy. But it was a latecomer. So that's why we see um, the eagle away from the uh, China boundary. Your Peasant Chinese, largely, would have been farming land, quite a grueling life, really. What, what, what impact would it have had if, if, the Fran if the French are there, the British are there? What sort of impact would it have yes. had on their daily lives? Yes. Of course, well, uh, following the front occupation of these this territories, the way of life was dramatically changed in those areas. Let's say for the new territories of Hong Kong, after 1898, after the lease, the British had to... Uh, demarcate the boundary and they began to take over the territories and setting up um, police stations or setting up new administration to rule the area and so um, as a result let's say all the land in these territories have been taken over by Britain they no longer belong to the people who live there and then the these people, um, their nationality has all been changed from Chinese into British. So these are the major changes. And of course, in the exhibition, we have also got a lot of exhibits which tell the story, um, well, which tell the story leading to the um, British occupation of the territories. And of course, well, the people who originally, originally lived in these these territories, they were against the British at the yeah. beginning because, let's say, uh, for the case of the new territories, the most people think that after British occupation, they will take over all the land and then they will have to move the grave of the ancestors and this will affect their feng shui and affect their prosperity. So that's why a lot of people at that time, both in White Highway and the Little Territories, they rose up against the British occupation. So there was fighting between the British army and the indigenous population in these territories, and a few hundred people died in both places. This also happened in all the other least territories to the other foreign powers. After they, they have signed the peace treaty with China, um, they have to send somebody to, to the Chinese territory to demarcate the lofton boundary between China and Hong Kong. So even at that stage, um, these, Chinese, these British representatives were hated by the Chinese. So there, there are a lot uh, some Chinese people just throw rubbish at the British representative. And at that time, it was Stephen Lockhead who took the lead to to demarcate the boundary. And then we also know that um, the British originally scheduled for the hoisting of the Union Jack um, in Taipo on the 17th of April, 1899. But because of the opposition and because of the fighting from the indigenous population, they have to um, do it one day earlier. And then at that time, well, um, that means the hoisting of the Union Jack was held on the 16th of April, 1899. So all this actually result from the um, opposition of the indigenous population. And as well as we can read from the from the uh, archival records, the British, in order to prepare for the um, hoisting of the uh, Union Jack, they have put up some mass shed in Taipo, but all these mass shed were burned by the villagers. So there are a lot of struggle, I mean, of fighting between them. So that's why in this exhibition you can see um, a lot of stories um, behind the Chinese opposition towards the British. 
uh, take over. I'm talking to Osman Chan at the Hong Kong Museum of History, looking at the exhibition, The Aftermath of the First Sino-Japanese War, The Lease of the New Territories and Wei Hai Wei. You can come and see the exhibition until the 9th of June here at Chatham Road in Chim Sa Choi. Now, around us, you were saying, Stuart Lockhart, civil servant. He was the former colonial secretary towards the end of the 19th century. He then would help the British set up in, in Wei Hai Wei. What do we know about Stuart Lockhart at that time, I mean, would he have been trying to help the new territories? Would he have seen it as, we have to make them more civilised? What was the view at that time? Um, at that time, actually, um, Stuart Lockhart, as we say, Stuart Lockhart was a, was a very prominent uh, China hand. He loved China very well, and he was also said to be the most, uh, to be, at that time, the most foreign Cantonese speaker yeah. among the colonial office. So that's why he was assigned the job um, to uh, demarcate the boundary to take over the new territories on behalf of the British colonial office after the signing of the peace treaty. So Stephen Lockhart, actually, uh, at that time, uh, he, was, he was very helpful, and he Actually, he, because he used to work with the Chinese leader for a long time before he took over the new territories, he knew the Chinese, he knew that he, he wanted to use the policy, implement the policy of using Chinese to the Chinese. So that's why he didn't want to antagonize the Chinese population in the new territories. Instead, he wanted to make use of the leaders, the village leaders, to rule the, Chinese, the, the rural population in the new territories. So um, his suggestions are actually are, are more or less are, are uh, more or less um, uh, are very supportive um, to, the, to the Chinese leader at that time. And later on, we find that when he moved over to the Liu, uh, to right highway, starting from the 1902, he continued to use the same policy, using Chinese to rule the Chinese population in White Highway. So that's why we know that in White Highway um, the villages were actually ruled by a lot of headmen. And Stuart Lockhead was in very friendly terms with this headman. And he even gave a lot of titles to this headman in order to make use of them to rule the rural population in White Highway. My thanks to Osman Chan at the Hong Kong Museum of History. The exhibition, The Aftermath of the First Sino-Japanese War, The Lease of the New Territories and Wei Hai Wei, is on show until June the 9th. Thanks for listening and join me next week on Hong Kong Heritage.